Hey, this is Higher Peaks. This podcast is supported by our listeners on Patreon. There you can become a patron with options of bonus content, including behind-the-scenes posts, messages, pics, shorts, raw, unedited content, and even full episodes. You can influence future shows, have voting power, get exclusive rewards, and have patron-only giveaways. See full details on our page at patreon.com slash organrooted. Enjoy the show. You can be as organic or not organic as you can possibly be. Use what's around you. Always try to strive for better. They always try to make everything, because the more you put into it, the better it's going to be. If you straight, the beautiful part about this system is, again, since everything is such high bricks levels, it's enhancing our natural bricks levels in our plants, which is in direct contact with nutritional value, which nutritional value of plants just makes everything sweeter in general. Welcome to Oregon Rooted. I'm Higher Peaks. And this is Lady Sativa. You're listening to The Dirt Show. Where we bring you Oregon's cannabis culture. So you've been doing this, what, eight years or so? Uh, that Korean natural farming? Yeah. Yeah, I've actually, I've been growing for about 12 years now. Um, I've always had a personal garden going at least, but I've, I've dabbled in outdoor, indoor, light depth, greenhouses, but always had a consistent indoor garden going. I mean, but I've also done, when I first started it, I was literally a patient that was, you know, found out that I had uh, bronchitis. I got it every single year since I was like fucking eight. I would get it for three weeks every single year. And then I started smoking weed and guess what? I never got it again. Really? Did you ever have any like problems or? Well, actually I have a very serious heart problem. I have heart arrhythmia and it's actually due to somebody using Abbott. They sprayed their plants two weeks out and gave me a bunch of it and I didn't know anything about it. And all of a sudden I uh, get super duper fucking sick and go to my doctor and he's like, your heart, your heart rate is like completely off. Like you need to go see the heart doctor. So I go to the heart doctor. Our doctor goes, oh, wow, yeah, your stuff's really off. Let's go ahead and do a sonogram to it. Okay. So he does a sonogram. He goes, your heart is swollen, infected, is beating irregularly, and your blood pressure's through the roof. If you don't take this pill every day, three times a day, you will have a heart attack and die. Wow. And that was all from... And I was a four-sport athlete. Wow. And that was all from Avid? I... That's what I, that's what I 100% blame it on. Cause dude, again, had a contract with a major club in our area and ended up selling like, it was like 52, like 10 pounders. Like it was a, quite a bit, but again, he got mite so bad that they ended up webbing in the end of flower. And I go over there and start trimming and I'm like, huh, there's no, uh, I don't see any bugs, but I see a lot of damage. Like what do you use for, uh, you know, bug damage? And his wife was there and I was like, she was like, I don't know. I don't remember what it is. And I was like, well, if I, uh, told, if I said a few things, would you recognize it? She's like, oh, yeah. And I threw that one out there. And she's like, oh, yeah, definitely. Then he rolled out and was like, oh, yeah, definitely. Like, you know that shit's like 56 days 
residual on the bottle. Like you can't touch that shit for six months. You can't ingest it for 12. Right. You just gave me it fucking concentrated. Like you gave me like a quarter pound and actually it was more than that. It was probably a half pound and like, I don't know, quarter pound or quarter, uh, quarter ounce of shatter. Jeez. Unfortunately, when you do shatter, you take a month's worth of fucking, um, product and concentrate it down to one sitting. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if not worse, that's, that's the inherent danger of it, I guess. Um, well, I started getting super duper sick out of nowhere and found out that my body does not like synthetic medicine. Like it does not like EDTA, like anything that has EDTA in it. I just start randomly will start getting sick and my heart will start getting off and I'll just start turning white. It's, it sucks. It's like, I can smoke a little bit, but I can't have anything with pesticides on it. But if there's anything grown pretty well synthetically, it's just, it's very hard on my immune system. Unfortunately, it just doesn't have a nutritional value. Sure. Now, so I actually was a full hydro, full hydro grower when I started off. I did, I started deep water culture, then went to tables, then went to coconut, then went to soilless, then went to perlite, then went to uh, super soil, then went to just soil, bottle fed. Like I literally tried just about every nutrient. Like there was at least 16 or 19 different product lines on the market that I tried before I was like, dude, enough's enough. I can probably figure out how to make this shit. Right. Well, and that's what led you to it is the fact that you're just repeatedly buying shit all the time basically well well i wasn't at that point that was that was a gift from a friend which was the shitty part right quotations friend um but i was growing synthetic synthetically at that point and i noticed it like i was doing two rooms like 86 moms a couple hundred clones a week a 99 plant outdoor and like 50 plants outdoor myself and then working eight hours a day damn like, well, I had a baby on the way and somebody ripped me off for my last pound that was supposed to pay bills. Oh, and you have plants, you don't have product, so you make shit happen, unfortunately. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was, dude was nice in quotations and gave me that. And I ended up, yeah, super duper 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 sick. I found out that that was also when the BHO scene started to turn. Like when it was like, dude, no more home blasting because that shit's got biotin in it and petroleum distillates in it. And that shit is both cancer causing when you smoke it. Okay. So yeah, everything has to be closed, looped and clean. Sure. Um, I was like, man, I really like the dabbing. I was also dabbing like five to 10 grams a day, like for uh, 10 months, wow. oh you know, God. and I was like, Oh wow, this is, this is, you know, if I have a diet like this, I definitely need to figure something out that's clean because I'm using this for medicine. I'm not using this to try to, you know, just, using it for pain medication and, and heart arrhythmia and sleeping and everything else. So I need, if I'm ingesting this much, I need to make sure it's clean. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So I was like, all right, well how I really like the dabbing aspect of it. How can I make something the same quality, but different? So I was like, okay, well you can dab bubble hash, you know, we'll get in to start making full melt bubble hash. Well, at that point I was growing synthetically and starting to roll into di- organics and was like, the quality is better in organics. Synthetics is a little bit heavier weight, a little easier. Well, it's great for experience, but at the same time, like it all depends on what you want. You got to work backwards. Do you want weight? Do you want products for yourself? Are you looking for concentrates? What are you looking for? Well, I was looking for something that I could dab. Well, I noticed when I started running organic versus synthetics and bubble hash, I was running the same strains in rooms side by side, same pot, same medium, just different nutrient companies and different grow styles. And the organic ones were doing like nine out of 10 melt and the synthetic ones were like four out of 10. 
So I was like, well, obviously I need to grow this style because I like, I, I need to concentrate, you know, I, I want to concentrate. So yeah. you start working backwards. Okay. Well, how can I make more oily glands? How can I make more glands? How can I grow for higher quality versus, cause I mean like, dude, a hundred pounds of blue dream or 10 pounds of fire OG, you know? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Do you think the KNF or the MNF, as as they say, uh, do you think that that adds to uh, the healthy aspect when you're consuming it, or can you get that 100%. from? Yeah, sure. Well, well, the thing about KNF and well, the difference between Korean natural farming and modern natural farming. When I learned, there was just the natural farming manual from Cho. It was super broken English. That was it. There was no teachers. <laughs> there was nobody posting anything about it. I literally picked up this book and was like, okay, cool. That's for foliar feeding. And then it came to the point where, you know, I was like, dude, I can probably make most of this shit myself. So I started experimenting and figuring out what plants liked, what they didn't like, if they liked the food, if they didn't like the food, if they wanted more, if they wanted less, um, different ratios and different things like that. And just was like, wow, I've entirely replaced my entire line. There's no top on this. There's no ceiling. But at the same time, we're using the natural sugars of the plant, and we're also using natural sugar to actually do our fermentation. So sure. the brick levels on everything is super high. So if say if you grow your own garden, right, mm-hmm. or even if you can go to the store. So the difference between Korean natural farming and modern natural farming, in my opinion, Korean natural farming is a class that you're taught, but it's also made for agricultural foliar feeding. But it is a great style. It works all the way around. You just need to figure out what works for you. I, I developed modern natural farming because I found my own style. But again, this is for top feeding. This is not for foliar feeding. You can do both, but I figured out how you can top feed these. But I've also incorporated a ton of different tricks and styles and things that we use as cannabis growers versus fruit and vegetable farmers. Yeah. So that we can push our plants and get the same kind of reaction that we do from a bottle nutrient, but still make it simple enough that anybody can use it and anybody can do the style. That seems to be, in general, just seems to be the argument is that you can't push them or get as much out of them. I don't know because I've never stepped into that world yet. I I haven't evolved to that level yet. Um, Is is that what you... The nicest thing is, well, the nicest thing is if there's any product on the market you like, any of them, dude, you can make it. Where does it come from? There's somewhere it comes from. Sure. You can probably find it. And if you can't find that exact source, find a substitute for it. Find something that works just as well. Because again, this is all... This style isn't, I feel, is not meant to be bottled. Because again, if you bottle something, you're giving somebody a fish. If you teach them to fish, they can go on and teach everybody else. And the message will spread and everybody learns how to fish for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And well, and it seems like that's how you come across. I've, I've been following you for actually, gosh, probably since 2016. Um, just following you uh, because of, of that fact that you, you're so uh, out there sharing that info. And, you know, I've downloaded your your uh your recipes so to speak uh your files there uh, a couple times um and i was actually going to bring that up i wanted to see if you can even see my screen if i bring it up because i wanted to be able to read from it but um yeah probably no problem the thing about my packet is i i started actually trying to teach on instagram that's actually where i brought my information when i was sitting in my basement trial and erroring and was like okay well there's people out here that grow and there's a community out here. So I brought it to Instagram and started teaching on Instagram. And from there, it just kind of evolved. But again, like I had so many people that were like, dude, I hear that you can make some fucking fire, still pull weight, 
but do it all yourself and know what's in all everything. That's awesome. Sure. You can break down each nutritional value of any everything you want. NPK, CA, CA, FOS, whatever you want. That's that's the beauty about it is you know exactly where it came from because you did it yourself. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I had so many people that wanted me to teach. They actually were like, man, even though you're teaching me on this, you're send, I'm sending you pictures, I'm doing this back and forth, I'm still having problems figuring this shit out. Is there any way that you can physically come to me and show me? <laughs> so I was like, dude, uh, if I do, uh, you know, yeah. uh, it's getting taken away from my work, my yeah. garden, my family, mm-hmm. and it's not a one-day class, unfortunately. It's a two-day class. But when I do do my consultations, it's nice because I actually come there, we round up all the ingredients together, we make like anywhere between seven to like 14 different nutrients all together. We go over what they are, how the plant up takes them, what they turn into. And then the next day you get to sleep on it. We review everything. We go back over all the nutrients. We actually get to physically touch them and do it. The best part about it is whenever you make your flower food, I go, okay, make pancakes because we just made artificial honey and syrup. <laughs> nice. Well, yeah, I mean, and I, I interview another gentleman uh, that comes on the show and he does uh, a lot of what you do. And I tasted some of his, uh, what was that fish? Uh, uh, it was fish amino acid. <clears throat> yeah, it was. And, you know, yeah, and it, it had been a, sitting there for a few months. I it in a bucket and his like that yeah, for like it, two weeks. Damn, it tasted good, man. <laughs> the, the funniest thing is with the fish amino acid. Um, yeah. A lot of people think it takes about two years to make. I've never had that problem. Um, I don't have fish around me unless I actually physically go fish. I can't get away from everything I'm doing to physically go fish. So I either have friends that will go get me fish heads and tails and I just take them some sugar, you know, and they throw it in a bucket for me. Or if I have to, I'll go and buy like actual, like, you know, those buy salmon fillets or whatever, whatever's the freshest around me. Cause most of the fish comes here on ice. It's not actually frozen. You want the microbes that are actually living on the fish surface. If sure. you think about the bacteria that lives on fish, Dude, they're clinging on to that fish for dear life going through the water. Like, <laughs> those are some hard, those are some hardened off bacteria. Yeah. And then if you actually add a little tiny bit of pineapple to it, it's got bromamine in it, which is a super enzyme that actually, if you eat too much of it, it'll give you canker sores. It'll actually physically eat you back. But that will actually oh. digest that fish within about 21 days. Just oh. stir it every couple of days. Yeah. Break it apart the best you can and it'll be gone. Literally only, the only thing left will be a handful of scales. Oh, wow. Jeez, that's amazing. I wouldn't try it. Well, well, it's all, it's all, well, it's all micro composting. Sure. <laughs> well, and the cool part is it actually will separate the oils from the fish. So you can actually either scrape the oils off of it or mix them in with them. But um, that is one of the main things that I feel actually really gives you greasy glands versus sticky glands. Okay, sticky glands, when it comes to hash, are good, but they're not very melty. You want greasy glands you want plants that you go over and touch and you can run that shit through your hair as hair gel it's so greasy okay and 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 cold fryer oil is what it should feel like you know (laughs) okay but then you've got your ohn which your ohn's got a bunch of your growth hormones in it yeah it's pretty much medicine for your plant but um so garlic is actually super high in sulfur which actually is a natural plant uh, terpene enhancer. Mm-hmm. And same thing when you're using uh, magnesium late. Magnesium is also a natural plant sweetener. Okay. So you have pretty good control over your terpenes then? I mean, you said because you can actually... Whenever, I can have a room of straight SFVOG and have three different flavors if I want. I can have one just straight tush, one straight fuel, and then one with a berry hand on it if I want. Huh. And that's based on whatever particular... Whatever you want to... 
whatever you want to finish them with. Yeah. Now is that, part, food. is that part of your console? I mean, when you come console, I mean, do you let people know, Hey, if you do this, do that, it can, you know, adjust. Again, yeah. It's a, the first, the first day's class is about an eight to a 10 hour class. And then the second day's class is like a six to seven hour class. Nice. And then they get, and then obviously they've contacted me through Instagram. So they have full access to me whenever the hell they have questions for anything, but it also comes with a full garden consult. Yeah. So whatever time of year they're at, I come through and be like, Hey, if you guys kind of do this like this a little bit or cock this just like this, just a hair, you're going to definitely up your weight, down your numbers and then up and up and take your productivity. Now, uh, when you're doing this stuff, it sounds like you can either purchase things or even purchase high quality ingredients, or you can probably try to source them for free a lot of this stuff correct 100 percent. um that's another big difference between the korean natural farming and the modern natural farming mm-hmm. uh, the korean natural farming is moroccan china and hawaii based so they actually have quite a bit of natural vegetation and growth around them that's you know vigorous as holy hell well it's not tailored for cannabis growers because a lot of cannabis growers are indoor growers and a lot of them are in the city yeah so there's not shit around them so Korean natural farming, they feel like you should be, you should be growing your own everything because you'll get your localized, your, your IMOs, your, um, indigenous microorganisms that are localized to your environment, climate, temperature, humidity, everything that are going to be better for your plant. But you got to use what you have. If you don't have that, what do you do? Okay. Well, with the modern natural farming, if you have a store, if you literally go buy food, you can grow. Okay. Okay. Because you're pulling a lot of that, uh, a lot of those resources from the food you're either throwing away or, or bringing home. Well, I mean, you can go buy fruits and vegetables and that's your flower food. You go buy bananas, that's your water soluble potassium. Go buy coconut, that's potassium, phosphorus, magnesium, calcium, magnesium, calcium, iron. Um, you just need to know what the mineral contents, nutritional values of things are. But again, like I don't endorse it 100%, but again, if I'm trying to teach you on the fly, okay, I need you to grow all this food for me real quick so that we can ferment it. <laughs> I can't do that. If I'm going to teach no, you a class, we need that instantly available. So no, I go, okay, we need to go to like <laughs> anywhere that sells organic food or yeah. organic fruit or any kind of fruit and vegetable stands around us. Let's go do that. All right, let's go look around your property and we're going to go make our veg food. Let's sure. go get some kind of fish. That way we can make you at least a fish amino acid that's high in flour food. Right. And if you've got a, a pond around you, start rounding that up and we're going to go, you know, we go round up sugar, we go round up all the food ingredients and then we go round up bucket pretty much. So, so you can make five gallons of everything and you're feeding pretty much everything one to two milliliters a gallon. So if you get 40 pounds of bananas, that makes like seven or eight gallons of water soluble potassium. That's what? 3,587 milliliters per gallon. Yeah. So yeah. that's, how many gallons of water soluble calcium you just made? You're right. not going to need it for a while. And right. again, all this shit stores over a year, no problem. You keep adding to it, dude. You make these once once a year. Like right. for the indoor garden, it literally cost me almost like maybe maybe a hundred and forty dollars a year. That's including buckets, and I run like four rooms at a time. Yeah, wow. yeah, that's that's really good. Um, and I mean, and that's also you purchasing stuff too. I mean, like you said, you can find ways, grow your own stuff or, or whatever. And well, the nice part is again, like you just, you start realizing what nutrients you're going to run out of sooner than later. So you can start sourcing them. You yeah. can be as picky as you want to be. Sure. If you want, if you want organic cinnamon, cool. $35 a pound. 
<laughs> right. You know? Right. Yeah. That's what it comes to. Sure. I know people that have been like, oh man, I can't believe OHN cost me like $600. I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. Say what? Yeah. I'm like, dude, as picky as you want to be, you know, yeah. straight up. If it works, it works. But again, you can be as organic or not organic as you can possibly be. Use what's around you. Always try to strive for better though. Always try to make everything because the more you put into it, the better it's going to be. If you straight, the beautiful part about this system is, again, since everything is such high bricks levels, it's enhancing our natural bricks levels in our plants, which is in direct contact with nutritional value, which nutritional value of plants just makes everything sweeter in general. Well, if you take, like, say if you took one of my classes and we went and bought everything and we made everything and you fed those nutrients to things that you're going to ferment in your garden, Mm-hmm. And you're enhancing their bricks levels. So when you harvest that crop, you ferment that crop. And then the bricks levels are already super high. Then you increase them again to ferment them. Gotcha. Then you see that to your can then you see that to your cannabis. Dude, Jesus, you're not you're not gonna get anything louder, more coated, like <laughs> that's 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 really, really good weed right there, for real. <laughs> sure, sure. Now, and you were mentioning that everything is about one to two mils per gallon, which is really conservative. Uh, and I did notice that on your recipes, it, you do have specific, you know, measurements and stuff. So that all seems to make sense because one of the questions I had was, how do you really know what you have in there in terms of the concentration? I mean, you don't want to hurt your plants. And d- well, does this kind again, of... these are all. These are all really good base numbers. I'm sorry for interrupting. I'm no, go very ahead. bad at that. No. Um, <laughs> these are all these are all base numbers that you can Okay, so another reason why I made this style is that anybody that knows plants that has grown other styles can read plants. They can visibly see what's wrong with them. Mm-hmm. So these are base numbers that you can build up if you want to, but they're also arranged around your pH. Every nutrient that you make has got lactobacillus in it. If you use lacto by itself, it is a very, very dominant species. Um, say the product Armory or Actinovate, yeah. they have, there's, five, there's five major species of bacilli. If they were all in a jar and they all fought, lactobacillus would win. Gotcha. Lacto is in the air. It's on every single plant surface. It's in our body. It's on every single pore of us. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. When you find bacteria companies, they will list four. They will not list lacto because it will eat the other bacilli. If you if lacto dominates your root ball while it's still wet, it will ferment it and drop your root ball to pH three, and then it will kill it. Okay. So you need to be very conservative with lacto because again, it's a very dominant species of bacteria. But if you make BIM, which is your IMO, a pretty much a water soluble version of your IMO you're collecting different species of bacteria from different areas and you're getting the hardened off ones. So you're actually getting ones from near water in up in the mountain ranges, in the sunlight, in the shade, in a dead patch of grass in a great growing patch of grass, any different environment that you can possibly think of when you go through and you mix them all together and then add your sugar to it, that makes it all IMO too. But you're collecting as many different super strong bacteria in one collection as you can then you're mixing it with the other ones. You're pretty much making a football team that's going to fight it out. And then the best guys are going to make their own team. Everybody else is going to be food. I see. Wow. That's crazy. So eventually you start rounding up more and more. They start eating each other and start balancing themselves out, creating their own world. When you take IMO two and add it to water, you're taking people and dropping them on a blank planet. So they're going to breed. 
and breed and breed and breed. Mm-hmm. How you make more BIM when you run out? Fill it up. Wait a couple of days. It's going to breed. Gotcha. Because again, how many bacteria, how many different microorganisms are in one grain of soil? Billions. I, yeah, billions, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I could only imagine. So you purposely collecting the bacteria and then letting them all do their thing. Mm-hmm. Dude, it's not growing black mold. It's growing green and purple and white and blue and red gotcha. and yeah. yellow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they're all, they're all nitrogen fixers, phosphorus fixers, and just straight up mycelium, which are all showing you it's alive. That's awesome. Now, this is going to be, this may sound, okay, first of all, let me apologize for my ignorance because, again, I have I have evolved over time. Uh, I just don't think I've quite made it to this level yet. So forgive me for my questions. But, you know, being that you live in NorCal and I we live in SoO, uh, you know, we got the Redwoods in between us. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, yep. I mean, is that if, you know, if I sneak down there and it's illegal or to take some dirt or something? <laughs> Could I get some so good bacteria out of there? That's actually what you want to do. If if you can, you want to go place boxes out as many as you possibly. So what you want to do is pretty much build a small box, aerate it, put holes in the bottom of it, put okay. some kind of a lid on the top of it so it's not sitting in the sun, mm-hmm. put it in active spots that you think, and it'll draw in different kinds of bacteria. But you got to keep checking it. That's the biggest thing is you got to check it twice a day, and I'm serious about that. If you forget about it, it'll go bad within like, 10 hours like you got to really want you really want to stay on top of it wow uh, as soon as it starts going fully black it's your your rice is too moist it's starting to collect bad bacteria okay. it's going to start creating white mycelium and then wow. it's going to start turning different colors but you want it to you want to catch it while the mycelium is at its peak as soon as it hits that peak and starts to die that's when you want to pull it because you don't you can pull off the black parts of it or they'll end up food because the good bacteria will eat it. But again, you want to harvest it while it's the strongest. Yeah. That is but, cool. Um, dude, and it's super, super easy once you get the hang of it. Because again, like the coolest part is, again, you want to go place them as many places as you can. Even if you're in, even if you're in a city, do this. Do it in your yard. Do it in your front yard, in your backyard. There are microbes fucking everywhere. Do them in your grow rooms. Do them in your house. There's microbes in the air. They're everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting but literally like like you can colonize your worm a worm farm you can go buy earthworm castings you can colonize that like you can colonize fucking anything like it's it's all just again and if it's a bad colonization you mix it with the other ones it becomes food yeah or you can or you can scoop it out either way i mean can you um, run into but, bad situations though can you run into like some uh you know bad stuff so going if on you, if you run it so in my opinion i like aerobic fermentations versus anaerobic fermentation aerobic means open fermentation it gets air while it's fermenting so it's actually drawing in lacto while it's fermenting and most of the time they'll make their own pedicle layer or their own scoby um so it's an it's like it's just like pretty much making kombucha but this is just (laughs) doing it different ways um but the only bad thing when you're doing a sealed fermentation is it'll ferment very quickly and they'll be very very strong but once you open them, they stink. Like they freaking reek. And they smell like straight up like a latrine. If you do an open fermentation, it won't do that. It does not have a smell to it. Like only maybe when you mix it, but 99% of the time there's zero smell, even with the fish ferment. But you want to keep them covered, as in a cheesecloth t shirt, a five gallon bucket lid that has a crack, like it's partially cracked open. 
because you as soon as flies and other bugs smell that, they're going to start to start putting larva in it. Sure. Um, which you're just going to see like little larvas running up the bucket. Sounds super gross, but that's not exactly the worst thing in the world because we use insect traps all the time. Yeah, gonna, we... If you knock them into the bucket, seal them up, they run out of air and the bacteria eat them. Um, right. Just don't ingest it. As a, as a human being, just don't ingest it at that point because you can ingest these throughout their entire life. First, you're making a tincture. You're making sugar plus whatever the hell you want. So pretty much if you did, if you're trying to make strawberry shortcake, you cut up strawberries and mix it with sugar. Boom. You have strawberry ferment. <laughs> literally, that's, it's, that, it's that easy. Nice. It is literally that easy. You take whatever you're doing, cut it with even weight sugar, and let it sit. And it will start, the bacteria on the surface of whatever you're doing will start eating the sugar, and then the, it will get stimulated and go back and try to start composting whatever you're fermenting. At that point, it will actually extract the nutritional value out of anything you're fermenting and leave it in a liquid form. The liquid form is a super compost, micro-composted extraction. The organic material left is basically carbon. So you can actually go bury it in your yard. In a week, it'll be soil. Oh, wow. Hmm. Don't, don't, be, don't feed that to your worms because it is pH 3. Mm. Everything you ferment turns to alcohol. And oh, then right, turns right. to vinegar. Sure. Which are both usable. Which are both usable. And alcohol is actually very good for the plant in small doses. Because again, you're not giving it a fucking shot. You know, you're giving it one milliliter per five, like one gallon. Mm-hmm. If you drink an entire feed that you make, you won't taste it. Okay. It's not, it's, but again, the plant sees it. That's sure. the difference. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, fermented plant juice versus fermented plant extract. In my opinion, well, in the Korean natural farming community, they only have fermented plant juices, which is an FPJ, which you take any kind of uh, fruit or vegetable, cut it on sugar, mix it, let it do its thing. I think that is a fermented plant extract or an FPE because you can make a fermented plant juice where you do the same thing, but you fill your container up with water. Really high mineral content, nutritional or nutritional value is low. Lots less of like life, but not plants want it every day. They're like, oh, wow, this is delicious. I want right. more. I want more. I want more. I want." When you do extract, it actually gives them something to eat on for like three to five days. Gotcha. That's crazy. But then I- again, you can buff up whatever levels you want. If you're like, oh, these are phos- these need phosphorus. Dude, you can make calcium phosphate. You just do straight up like fish bone meal and um, brown rice vinegar. Brown rice vinegar is super duper high. Actually, brown rice vinegar by itself has got the most organic amino acids more than any other plant. Right, right. Uh, you know, there's probably a lot of people that are still getting into this. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. Again, the best thing to do is try to just download my bio, read through it, and hit me up for questions. Because, again, if you've got questions, there's a, there's a reason for everything. And this is a very... This is a very, very small class that I could put together. You could talk to me about this for weeks oh. if you wanted to. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, it's so just a, such a big topic. Well, it is. It what is. are the things that beginners usually screw up? What are the things that beginners usually screw up? Not uh, indoors, outdoors, or light depth. Well, I mean, let's, if we can, you know, kind of glance over all of them because we got listeners that do all, I mm-hmm. mean, you know, and, uh, okay. For, for outdoor, I would say putting plants out too early. Definitely. Cause too many people throw them out. They're like, Oh, I'm going to have a beast. And then they pre flower and then you're stunned for a month. Make yeah, sure I, you keep lights on them until yeah. you are sure that you're in vegetative cycle. <laughs> um, make sure your soil is moist, 
not wet, but don't let it be bone dry before you put transplant into it. Don't ever transplant it in a bone dry soil. Always, always, always use mycos. If you're not using mycos, it's just a waste of time. Yeah, I I agree with Um, that. Yeah. Make sure you stay on your IPM because everything looks pretty until everything fucking starts being covered in mites and everything else. Make sure you keep everything pretty. I think you just explained um, my first five years of growing. <laughs> yep. Every, everybody overwaters like a mother. Yeah. Like every as soon as so how do I know when the plant needs water? Look at it. What do you mean? Look at it. Does it look like it needs water? No. Okay, well pick the pot up. What do you mean pick the pot up? Go over there and physically pick the pot up. If you feel any kind of water weight in it, don't water it. Right. Like let it dry out because it Roots don't expand if they're sitting in water. If you're running through the desert, okay, and you haven't had water in five days, and you see a dude chilling in a barbed wire <laughs> fence surrounded by a pool, <laughs> sipping a drink, are you going to do anything you can to get to that that drink? Right, right. If you're the dude sitting in the pool, are you thirsty? <laughs> <laughs> I get you, man. I get you. No, and that makes sense. I mean, because I've seen, I've seen that happen in my own grows where – even overwatering just a little bit to where it might not really affect the plant too much. And then you pull the plant up or transplant it and you're like, look at those shitty ass roots. <laughs> Man, we've heard of cases um, where people overwatered so much that their plant just if, fell over. Yeah. If your if your feed is ever questionable at all, if you ever think you mixed something wrong, or if you think your tea is bad, if you have a gut feeling, don't use it. Do you want to fry everything? No, right. Um, and and so make sure Make sure you clean all your brewers. If it feels slimy at all, that slime is called bio slime and it will eat your roots. Ugh. So, the, I mean, that's a thing. So is that for beginners, is that something that they really need to look at is those things? Is well, it- if they're putting a lot of growers don't clean their water buckets. So if they go into their indoor grow or they go to their light depth, they either have a water tank where they keep their water or they have somewhere they're mixing their nutrients Sure. or they're mixing their nutrients or their water. They need to make sure that when they're putting their stuff in there, they need to touch the side of whatever container they're putting it on. If you're using like, say if you're just a small time indoor grower, you're only doing one light and it's a four by four and you're using a, like a, say like a spray gun or like something small to just water your plants. You got to touch the inside of it. Cause if it's slimy, you're just spreading that on everything that hits the foliage of your plant. They suffocate and die. Mm, terrible overnight. It's like, it's like, it's like, no, it's like when you use overuse neem oil. Yeah. You ever had the neem oil thing? Everybody, nobody, that's another very basic beginner thing that a lot of beginners really, really mess up on. And a lot of people don't like neem oil because they don't use a surfactant. You got to use something to break the oil apart. Sure. And you want to put that in, you got to heat your warm, your neem oil up first in the bottle. Like it, if it gets cold, it's going to turn into gel. So you want to make sure it's the right consistency before you do anything with it. And then as soon as it goes into anything, it does not go into your final water. It goes into a small cup with a wetting agent, either some kind of soap or cocoa wet or aloe or any kind of thing that breaks the surface tension. But then you need to really work that together to put that in your water and then keep moving it the entire time you're spraying it. But if you touch the top of your water and it feels oily, add more of your surfactant. Even if they're like, oh, we use a quarter teaspoon, just keep going. It's not going to hurt anything. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and just so you uh, know, man, we're, we are not live, but we got, (laughs) we got listeners that are asking questions as we're doing this. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to, uh, just throw them out there occasionally here. We got one guy right here. That's, um, 
Uh, it's from Green's, uh, Green Sun Consultants, and he says, when preparing FPJ or FFJ in five-gallon food-grade buckets, do you use the two-third full rule, like if using a glass mason jar? I tend to get mold on top of most of my FPJ and FFJ, even with a sugar cap. Also, my BV that I made got mold on top. What's proper technique? Thanks to Worlds for pushing so hard to give the knowledge. Thanks for Worlds. So with oh, your, I got gotcha. you. That's the shortened with the, version. With the mold worlds. on top, you, you really do want to try to keep... That's the basic thing is when you're actually doing your ferment, they will get a little bit of mold on them. Just try to be a little bit more attentive to it. Try to mix it a little bit more if you can. Um, a little thicker of a sugar cap never hurts. But um, mold on the top's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, green is just tricantinol, so it's actually a natural plant steroid, but it's just grow food pretty much. Um, white mycelium is not a bad thing. Um, you can literally just mix those into your ferments. It's just showing you it's alive. But once you actually get it strained off into your liquid form, they should stop doing that. Okay. Sounds good. And so- your, your banana vinegar, the same thing. Uh, your banana vinegar, once you strain it, it should actually... When, should, when you're making your vinegars, it actually should make its own SCOBY. Like, we did a 55-gallon drum of our leftovers from our, ferment, our fermented fruit extract, and we had a good, like, shit, it was a good three- or four-inch layer, or four, three- or four-inch SCOBY. It was really big, and it was a 55-gallon drum. Okay. So, I mean, and you're saying that if you see a little bit of that, it's it's not a problem? No, not well. Again, like you want those in your soil. If, if you see that in your dirt, you're like, yes. Okay. Okay. Just don't ingest it as a human at that point. <laughs> you keep saying that. <laughs> well, again, like once you actually start tasting your ferments, because again, mango ferment is a natural mercine burst booster. You okay. Take mangoes, cut them up with sugar, dude. You, that's delicious. <laughs> like you give it a week, you make mango pruno. Like, you know, like yeah, you no. can definitely, you can ingest anything that you can normally ingest. Right, 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 right. And well, and that's, I, I guess that's why that fish shit tasted so good. <laughs> He's saying that because well, of you consuming it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, the nice thing is, is everything soup is probiotic. So it's actually, again, all the nutrition is in the liquid. All the scraps are just straight up carbon. So again, it's like pickles. Pickle juice is super good for you. Pickles are super good for your digestive system because the nutritional contents aren't even pr- broken out of it. Uh, I was going to ask you, on on your profile, it says you're the maker of Black Plague, Orangutan, 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 and others. What is that? Is that your own special mixes? No, those are just strains I've made. Oh, okay. Well, hey, man, you got some seeds. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I am sold out right this second, unfortunately. Oh. They went very quickly. Hey, that's, you can't, hey, that's good. <laughs> going to be doing another round here real soon but i'm rounding up some really heavy hitters to do it with hell yeah you ever run any but my uh Go ahead. my orangutan is uh the cup winning cut from the santa cruz or santa rosa cannabis cut the uh tangible uh crossed to the skunk master flexes uh on solo burger nice oh boy the black flag is uh triangle kush g30 uh G13 hash plant from Bodhi on the Han Solo burger. Wow. Fuck yeah, that sounds amazing. Damn, homie. And then I did like and then I did like 32 keeper phenos on um the original release of Docs OG, which is the uh, um rare dateness number one on face off OG, which rare dateness number one is 
ghost ghost triangle triangle or chem four ghost ghost triangle triangle cross the face off. So it's pretty much just an Afghani inbred. No, so I did that to like LA nineteen uh, seventy LA Afi Fire OG uh, Wi Fi uh, API uh, Sweet Tooth number three M four Black Domino. This goes on and on. That's that's aw- that's good stuff, man. Uh, are you gonna have those um, strains back ever, or have those moved on and you've moved on yourself? Um, I've also uh, well, I have pollen still, but I'm not. I'm I'm going to be working other stuff. I'm going to start working my own my own genetics mail. I'm going to do. Uh, I've got a bunch of straight Afghani seeds and uh, some Afghani crosses that I'm going to get into, and then I have my triangle, and then that uh, I call it TCHOG, which they call her OG. So when I first started growing, I got a hold of triangle very early. Very, very early. I got it in like 2012, 2013. Good. That's like wow. when it was released. Yeah. Um, I grew the shit out of it for like four years and gave it to all my friends. Nobody could ever give me a clip back of it. Nobody could ever bring me weed of it. Well, <laughs> I, after I gave the clip away, I eventually got rid of it to make room for other stuff because it wasn't for, it wasn't production, but I had friends that had it. But again, nobody could give it back. Um, I, I started being like, all right, well, let's see if there's any strain that I can find that's better. Because I love, like, I love the flavor, the high, the taste, the feel. Great medicine all the way around. Um, it's like, I want something that's better. I want something that's louder, hits harder, yields better. And, dude, I grew at least 100 different Kush and OG clips. And there's one that I found that is anywhere close. And that is, I call it, they call her OG. I believe it is a straight 92 OG or a old super old clip of pure, uh, pure Kush mm-hmm. or a grass Valley OG. But that is the only, it's not better, but it's just about as good or fucking just as good. But I'm going to start working on those two. That Reading it Afghani into that, start going triangle leader, hit it back to triangle. Cause I already did the black plague, which is a G 13 on triangle. So if I can actually find a handful of seeds on those, and find a male, I can make it two thirds. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome stuff that but, you're working with. Uh, I mean, do you, do you continue to occasionally offer to the, uh, consumers out there or do you just do it for yourself now? Oh yeah. That's cool. No, I, well, I, I mainly do it for myself personally. Cause yeah. I like, I like, you know, I like the strains and I like what I'm making, yeah. but I have a lot of people that really want access to it. So I'm like, dude, that's fine. Like actually, when I did my first round of the Docs OG, um, dude, I made a ton, a, a ton of seeds, and I literally gave them, I gave them all away to the community for free as my gift, as my gift to the community. Like anybody that actually got to grow them was like, holy crap, dude, these are amazing. You have any more? <laughs> You're like, no, you should have taken cuts. Like, <laughs> I even did like Zavuya, which is like a Neville's Haze on Apollo 11 um, Genius Dino. Um, uh, green crack mango pheno. Uh, dude, ugh, there's all kinds of shit that I did. Oh, yeah. But again, I need to start working more males, but I keep trying to interbreed them in the room because I don't want to, you know, I just, I need to start setting up more rooms for seeds, but I need to actually run a few rooms to get shit set up first. Because I normally do like three rooms, I'll pop a shitload of seeds, get my males separated. I run all my males versus each other. 
and see what write down characteristics and everything. Let them all flower out. Keep my best. Keep that for a little while. Then I'll stress the holy flying shit out of it for a while <laughs> just to see if it throws balls. Okay. Recycle it. Make sure it clones. Because if it's not strong, just screw it. Yeah. And then get it nice and proper. Pick everything that I want to run. But then it goes in like, then you got to figure out what strains you want to run. Because I did like Napalm OG, the Tangible, the Black uh, Triangle, uh, the Black triangle and then gmo in that room but they're all way different like gmo had to go in there like four weeks before the black uh black triangles and the orangutan or the tangibles and then three weeks later the napalms went in and then two weeks later the mail went in wow you it's keep a big old timing game yeah well yeah and you keep it moving man <laughs> busy well are you mostly indoor with what you do or do you try yeah, to do I was both just gonna ask that um Right now, I'm just doing indoor. Um, I started indoor, just continued indoor. Yeah. But I've done all kinds of light depths. Like, shit, the last last farm that I did light depths on, I led five 30 by 100-foot greenhouses. And was that with the system that with k and Yeah, Yeah, I've been growing this style for the last, like, eight, eight years now. Like, every every big grow I've done commercial-wise has all been free natural farming. Now, I did, uh, yeah, five 30 by 100-foot uh, greenhouses that were all light up. I did two 30 by 100 foot uh, grow techs. Those are the auto depths. Um, I did two acres last year that was like 2,500 plants. Um, and then, like, I did, I've done like a couple of nine light indoors, you know, but I've consistently always had my personal garden going. Uh, now that's the other thing that that occurred to me is that people also say it's real hard to do it to scale. Uh, well, well, it's not. You know, I I just don't kind of listen to like what everybody's into. I just kind of do my own thing and just dial what works. So, like, how do you attempt it at such a large scale, though? Like, how do you source that kind of that kind of material? Like, say you're doing something as simple as like a cow mag, and you, I mean, cow mag eight dollars a gallon. Okay. Uh, in terms of using like uh, cider and, and eggshells, is that? Cider, eggshells, and Epsom salt, yeah. Uh, cal uh, oyster shells is 93% calcium carbonate. Uh, Epsom salt is 12% magnesium, 13% sulfur. And, and you're talking actually just purchasing this shit in like bulk or something? Yeah, well, honestly, you don't even need to buy a 50-pound sack of Epsom salt if you want to, but you mm -hmm. can. Yeah. I mean, cal I mean, oyster shell powder is only thirteen dollars for a fifty-pound sack. I see. Okay. Uh, brown rice, brown rice vinegar is eight dollars. Gotcha. But when you make your own banana vinegar, like you make your water-soluble potassium, the, the the leftover banana scraps turn into banana vinegar, so you end up with like fifty to twenty gallons of it. Mm -hmm. So it's it doesn't cost you shit, and especially <laughs> if you want to do like seawater or kelp or um, any kind of minerals from the beach, dude, you got seashells everywhere. <laughs> well, I guess in, 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 if you're purchasing in bulk, I guess it really isn't a big deal. I would imagine if you're trying to keep your costs as like minimal as possible, it would be much harder to scale. Uh, Let's see. I did, uh, I think it was like 1,700 pounds and I only spent like we minus our top, minus the top feed in flour, um, one top feed, feed in veg. Our nutrient costs were less than 500 bucks. Wow. Yeah, I mean, well, that's, you, we got that's a, really there's impressive. a humongous fig tree on the property. That's water soluble potassium right there. You've got app, we got an apple tree that's phosphorus. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, know, that's perfect. We make 55 gallons. I mean, you make 20 gallons of flour food. You got scraps from that. You make 55 gallons of vinegar. You make all your water soluble from that. It sounds like really if you could have just basically a small permaculture, some sort of setup where you've got, you know, a few fruit trees and you got some vegetable garden and you got some uh, basically wild flowers and shit growing, uh, pretty much sounds like you could source all that in there uh, or most of it. Um, oh, yeah. Well, you don't e- you don't even have to use sugar. You can even just do uh, a little tiny bit of water and just whatever product you want to use. But again, those ferments just kind of smell. That's the only problem. I see. Yeah, and you know that's one thing about organics. There was a lot of organic. Does compost that's fit it? The, Go ahead. Well, that's one of the main things that actually sold me. Also, is back in the time when I was switching over, the wife was pregnant. Guess what? She's not letting any of that smell at all in the house. So if it's smelling, I'm going <laughs> right. to stab you. So no, but it's, it's pretty funny when she can actually walk over to a five gallon jug of fish amino acid and go like. That smells like pineapple and papaya. That smells delicious, actually. Nice, yeah, like, yeah. We even had we even had a commercial fisherman go out and get us a. It was huge. It was like a at least a two foot. I think it was just a salmon or a trout or something just out of a local river. Hey, I got this for fish amino acid. Made it that day. It was done within like fourteen days. Nice, nice. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> That he was is, like, I'm not smelling it. I, everything smells like fish. I know what fish smells like. I can't even be around it anymore. He's like, I was on the boat so freaking long. Then he opened it up and was like, that doesn't smell like fish at all. Yeah, it doesn't. What? It doesn't. It surprised me. And mm-hmm. yeah. It, well, even, even one of the best ferments for your plant is if you just take your foliage and ferment your foliage. If you just do your normal thinning, rip your leaves up, mix them with sugar. Dude, you have, it all depends on what stage you're at too. Because it's all, it's a, a lot of this is about hormones. So for instance, if you're in vegetative state, you want to feed your plant things that are in vegetative state. If you're feeding flowers, you're feeding fruits because fruits are the end stage of the flowers. So you're taking the hormones from things that are already done and trying to enhance them to the next stage. Gotcha. Makes sense. So you could take pre-flowers off your, off your plant and feed them to plants going into flower. But if you're just taking your leaves off the plant in general and fermenting them and giving out, letting it ferment and taking the liquid from that and giving it back to the plant you're micro composting. So instead of you just top feeding your plant or trying to compost it, the plant has access to it today and there's nothing it loves more than itself. Right. Right now. And you're talking about foliar. I hate this word. Foliar feeding. Yeah. That does fit into this style. And you're talking about just literally doing the ferments and then spraying right from a sprayer. Right. So uh, my opinion with foliar feeding Cannabis is a super plant that you can only foliar feed it for so long. Yeah. Um, you do, I don't like to foliar feed in flower if possible, but there are definitely things that you can do that will not affect the flowers, affect the taste, affect the smell, but it's better to not touch it. Because the second you actually have glands on the plant, they see THC, you touch anything to it, it absorbs it. It's just like lotion. Like it's going to be rubbed into your skin. Uh, it's yeah. not part of you. Oh. Nothing you can do about it. And right. that's why some people get really shitty taste in the middle of their buds. Because they, the, they spray them early in flower. Or they spray sulfur on them early in flower. Yeah. Which if is, you're doing sulfur, you need to do it before THC shows up. It's absolutely. a great preventative to get rid of get rid of, and prevent for russets if you're around them at all. Like going like one week into flower and then doing a good sulfur because it'll kill anything that's there and it'll sit on the plant and then all the growth that comes out of the plant is not going to be touched by it. Okay. So it's actually not going to be in the buds at all. Yeah. But once you spray that, you got everything that tastes like nasty old eggs. 
and, and like when people push phosphorus to the end super hard, it's like, wow, I wonder why my, my throat burns. Ugh. Or when they top feed minerals, they top feed rock dust. You're like, oh, my uvula is like kind of on fire. Or you taste <laughs> one you're like, how late did you feed? It's chokeweed, bro. <laughs> yeah, your brain's dying. Um, it's no- funny because I'll walk into a party and everybody's like, I'm like, wow, obviously my weed's doing nothing everybody. Everybody's got red eyes and fucking they can't see, but nobody's coughing that stuff. <laughs> right yeah yeah misconception on that uh and it i think it has a lot to you know do with that now on the knf do you want to uh at the very end do you want to just water you want to flush with knf or is it because it's organic etc that there's really no point doesn't matter so you can't flush well, it all out anyway <laughs> There's a couple of different mindsets about that. So it all depends on how far you're top feeding. If you try to talk, cause certain companies out there, um, will have you top feed in flour and they want you to top feed every single week until the last week of flour. Like, geez. Um, mm-hmm. a lot of companies want you to feed for until seven days before and then flush, right. flush, 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 flush. Right. Okay. Well, what you're feeding the plant, that's what the plant is being built from, you okay. know, like in sure. general, like, if you consistently feed it, that's what it's the makeup and it's food that it's going to be actually processed into. Mm-hmm. Um, organics, like people are like, oh, it won't fade, it won't fade. Well, dude, trees fade every single year and nobody flushes trees. But again, <laughs> it all depends if you're doing a living system and yeah. how much food's in your in your dirt. Because yeah. if you have a bunch of food in your dirt, plants going to eat it. Especially if you're giving, but with the KNF, you want a pretty well balanced soil that has enough food in it so it's going to try to start fading if possible. All, sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes they fade early. Sometimes they do late. But if they fade late, you can feed microbes to help them process their food faster, sure. so that they can eat their food faster. But if you're un, if you're lacking, you can try to help beef it up and get it there until it, it it's to the end of its life cycle. But again, it all depends if you're in a living system or not. A living system, you're just continually you know keep trying to keep going, and you're just adding organic material, but you have an actual planet you're trying to you know balance pretty much sure. but with the knf i've like it's so much smoother than any other nutrient company out period because it's just all it's all sugar based you're pretty much feeding honey to your plants well and i often wonder you know even in oregon here on the rec market and maybe lady sativa can answer this but we don't really see any is oregon being a very organic state like here if you grow salty you get ousted pretty quickly so a lot of the guys that yeah. do the a lot of the guys that do salts, they just don't talk about it. They don't tell you about what they yeah. use and shit. But a lot of organic guys, but do you never hear of anything on KNF, right? No, I have not. Right. I've and they would have no-till. promoted that on yeah. the shelf. Yeah, I've seen no till. I've seen of course living, some soil. living soils. Yeah. I, that's mostly what we carry well, is no till living soil mm-hmm. and stuff like that. A lot of well, you gotta remember too, a lot of people like there's so many, there's too many purists. Like I've been yelled at by people that have been taught by Trump, by Trump and Cho. They're like, this isn't how he does it. This is, I'm like, dude, whatever works for you. I just, I have my own journey. You do your thing. But certain people that only use like, oh, I know, I know I need calcium. Well, I can make my water soluble calcium. Some people don't think that that using one product is being KNF. Some people are like, I'll use lacto. I'm full KNF, bro. You know, it's, uh, it's just a matter of opinion. I mean, I feel like if you, know what your plant needs and you're making your stuff for them mostly they're like that's 
you know, you're either organic, probiotic, or no-till. Like, mm-hmm. pretty much the same message, but this is a K&F, and the modern natural farming part is, is, in my opinion, the best way to push organic. I've done organic. I've done organics for years. I did living systems. I've done SIP systems. I've done small pot, big pot, super soil, bottle fed, synthetic bottle fed. But like, I've done all that crap. Like, you know, it just it comes down to is know what your plants need. Like, either do it one way or the other. Do you want a top feed? Okay, well, what stage are you at? Do you need a liquid feed? Okay, is your or does your soil have that? You know? Right. Well, and the nice part is if, if your soil's lacking something, this is a way that it can make up for it while you're actually like figuring out what's wrong with it. Or if you're a synthetic grower and looking to go organic, this is a great way to actually like, oh, I can still feed my plant how I like. And it'll actually um, show me almost the same way the synthetics does, but it's organic. Like I can still get that tip burn I like. Sure. Now, do you is there some forgiving? Is it forgiving like organics? I've noticed that like oh, with, yeah. with salts, oh, you know, again, go you ahead. just really don't want to like super don't like less is always more. Sure. Less and pHing, right? You don't wanna, yeah. Well, you just want to kind of know where you're like general, where you're generally sitting. Mm-hmm. My water in, in, over here changes a lot. Oh. Like pH on it changes a lot. Sure. Like some days you can smell it. Some days you can't. So wow. like you got to kind of, kind of keep an eye on it or you're all of a sudden you're like, huh what's going on here? That looks like a pH swing. And then you go, you start testing your water and you're like, huh, that's fucking why. Okay. What's the KNF solution for that? As far as pHing, do you use something natural or do you just buy something off the shelf and just, you know, use so the a pH cool part about, So the cool part about, um, organics, oyster shell powder is straight pH up. So okay. you can use straight oyster shell powder for pH up if you need to. Nice. It's not going to hurt anything. No. And then for straight pH down, brown rice vinegar. That's why the, combination of those two works to make calcium acetate because it's actually a chemical reaction that's extracting the calcium value putting it into a water soluble form nice wow i mean that's makes total sense (laughs) and because it's organic and and these uh the way these things are mixed and such uh as like you said as long as you're you know keeping tabs on any major swings you're you're probably okay just like with most organics well, and the brown rice vinegar itself is a natural organic pH stabilizer. So it actually okay. will drop your root, drop your pH, higher it, and then stabilize it. But it also helps your plant process calcium, which also turns the plant, uh, which also helps the plant uptake nitrogen. I see. And so if you can full your feed vinegar, your plant will turn yellow. The next day, they'll be dark, darker. <laughs> right, right, right. D- do you foliar at all? I gotta hate that word. Um, you said you don't like to do it, but do you ever do it? Um, I generally try to stick to my soil if I possibly can, but I definitely do preventatives if I need to. But again, I try to see what's going on in my garden. I I try to keep the foliar feeding to a minimum if I possibly can. But again, I've also sat in a room that was really fucked up with three spray bottles, one of nitrogen, one of calcium and one of magnesium and just sit here and been like, spray you, spray you, spray you, wait for you to dry out, spray you again, spray you again, spray you again and brought and plant plants back green that next day. Yeah. And that's the thing is I've noticed, I don't, I don't do it so much anymore, but you know, I grow outdoors pretty much. That's all we do. And, uh, or at least, uh, in a greenhouse. And I have noticed that, you know, just a simple, um, uh, kelp foiler always makes them look so much happier 
uh, and I used to, you know, toss in maybe a half a mil or a mil of um, silica, and it just always looks so nice. But that could be in my head too. It could be a placebo. <laughs> so you can totally replace kelp with dandelions. Um, they're both dynamic accumulators. Yeah, plenty um, of those. Dandelion here. actually, they actually pull in. Well, dandelions are actually kind of funny. If you see dandelions, most people don't like dandelions. Dandelions no. actually have a purpose. They actually show you compacted soil. Their job, they actually are legumes too. They actually go down and break apart glaciers soil and store nutrients from the air and plants around them into themselves. And then when they decompose, they remineralize the soil. Wow. So actually they're dynamic accumulators and have a ton of different minerals in them. So when you ferment them, you pretty much have land kelp. And then um, with the, what was the other one that you were saying that you uh, like? Excuse me, silica. Oh, uh, silica. So uh, straight bamboo in, in vegetative state, bamboo is the one that's got super, well, bamboo is the fastest species of grass. They can grow up to three meters a day. Yeah, right, right. So it, when you're actually, when you're fermenting those, you're actually getting the growth hormones, but it's also super high silica content. And for flour, you want to use horsetail. Horsetail is another one that's, so bamboo is high in nitrogen and horsetail is high in phosphorus and potassium. Wow. And of course the silica. Oh yeah. Both of those are super high in silica. I mainly try to get my soil beefed up with silica through rock dust. So, I but see. I do that when I'm making my soil, not when I'm going into flour, <laughs> you know? Good point. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Uh, and that's all I do. I don't, I should do it that way, but in the past, like I've told you, I've just, um, use silica either in my feeding or my foliar. Uh, and I do it just to beef them up. Cause you know, Oh man, we get some days here that'll make those plants lean over 90 degrees, man. Dude, I couldn't believe it. We had 107 mile an hour winds last year <laughs> and your plants survived. <laughs> dude, ba fucking barely. Like we had some 10 footers that were just like, dude, there was arm breaking everywhere. Jesus Christ. Like it literally snapped. We had a wind fence around everything. Mm -hmm. It snapped the T posts off of the ground. Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was it was brutal. It about it about lifted one of the trailers off the fucking ground too. It was, it was insane. Is that common down there in your area? Uh, that was in Santa Rosa. Oh, Santa Rosa. Okay, okay. I know these guys that just started in Oklahoma. What last year started blowing up Oklahoma, man, and they realized they got freaking. Uh, those damn grasshoppers. They're not grasshoppers. Oh, the like locusts. Locusts and the winds there, I guess, are friggin' killer. Where did you say you were at? Dude, again? we had a. You down to Redding? Redding. That's right. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, like last year, dude, it was a crazy fucking year. We ended up like we we ran into the pests that everybody ran into, but like we handled them very well. Because I mean, like I've been around all these pests before, like the fucking. Uh, uh, what is it? Beet top beetles. They nope. come in out of nowhere, hit the top of your plant, bite it, and then all of a sudden it just starts growing mutated growth. Wow, interesting. For the rest of its life. Oh, For that's the rest of its life, up. It's really fucking weird, and you don't see them. They just come in and bite it and bounce. <laughs> um, the hemp russets, obviously. Yep. Uh, we took care of those. Um, Did you guys get hit by any aphids? Me. Man, we got clouds of aphids, aphids. last year. Yeah, I fucking figured out the secret for those little those little motherfuckers. Hey. Yeah, we got those, but I, I read those things. You want to so share that secret? We tried, we tried essential oils. We tried sulfur. We tried enzymes. We tried all kinds of shit. Um, we tried beneficial bacteria. Straight up, you know what the best thing for it is? And what? The best way to get rid of them? Just hard fucking pressure water. On Once the they plants. Once they let go, they die. Once they let go, they die. 
Yeah, I've heard that. Once they fall to the ground or whatever, they're done. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So, and that's what you guys did was just uh, basically hose the plants. I mean, that's kind of scary in flower, though, isn't it? Especially towards the end. Uh, that that was like right before we went into flower, so it wasn't too bad. But again, like straight straight up water, you're going to get rain anyways. Yeah. Straight water is way better than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's just, that was a question because man, I'll tell you last year, there was times, especially in like September ish, October. Oh, it was, oh, it was brutal. Oh yeah, dude. You guys got hit with early snow and everything last year. It was ridiculous. I couldn't believe how early Oregon got snow. Yeah. A lot of uh, these hemp guys too got, especially the new guys got all hit with the mold. There was fields of just covered up moldy hemp. It was Mm -hmm. ridiculous. I'm sure that spread a lot of pathogens for us. Oh yeah. Well, and that's the shitty thing too, is now that we've been growing for a while, guess what? Powdery mildew has expanded too. There's yeah. now 16 different species of powdery mildew. I wouldn't doubt it. And the other thing too, is like we're, we're seeing more, um, rust and, uh, just weird shit that doesn't necessarily affect cannabis usually. So oh, dude, fusarium, that was a bad fusarium, one. Fusarium. Yeah. Fusarium was bad last year too. Mm-hmm. Go fucking kill yourself with that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's literally work. sitting there. Watch 10 footers fucking drop one at a time. That's yeah, like, that's exactly. You just overnight you walk out and go, where'd my plants go? They're all dead. Yeah. I. Well, the funniest thing is I told the fucking owner that was the problem. And that's he got it in the cut, the clones that we got it from because we got brand new dirt. And he was like, no, no, no. Yeah. Guess what? Got it fucking lab tested. It's such a serium. Yeah. <laughs> well, that brings me to this with IPM. Now, I mean, there, you said obviously you should have a strategy. Uh, I agree, man. If you don't have a strategy, you're going to get up screwed. Uh, so, with that said, can you make your own things for IPM? And if you can, then how do you use them? Can you use them in flower? Can you give me the lowdown on all that? Um, of course. Um, there's always a solution for everything. Because, again, like what kills everything? Mother Nature is a bitch. You know, she will right. kill everything, anything. There's always some way you can get rid of the pet. So it all depends on most people freak out because they get any kind of pet. Most pests are not bad. Um, They're not even pests. Most of them are beneficial life, but people freak out and think they are. Um, Again, like I ended up the other day, I was, I was in my garden. I found fucking um, winged soldier drones in my soil and was like, what the hell are these research, 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 research. Guess what? They're aerators. They don't eat roots. They're only eating mycelium and springtails. So they're huh. actually composters. They're nice. good life. That's why you don't go nuke because guess what? It's taking a toll on your plant. Oh, yeah. The more you treat, the worse to get. Well, not only that, they're finding like this azadiractin and stuff is causing problems with people smoking it later. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, definitely. Anyway. But uh, no, like, um, it, yeah, uh, you always want to take plans of, plans of precaution, plans of action. all depends on what pest you're dealing with. For general IPM, essential oils are always a good thing. Um, OHN is obviously a good thing because it's got sulfur and all kinds of other shit that most bugs don't like. That's another really awesome thing is if you start having any kind of pests in your area, figure out what it don't like and then put it in your OHN. Like my OHN was literally like a 44 part. It had like 44 different things in it. That's cool. I mean, that fights bugs, you mean? Yep. Yeah. Well, fights bugs is medicine for the plant, has growth hormones, or is just good in general so essentially your ipm is kind of like your foliar for, for god, foliar for the week right i well, mean the, basically the nice thing too is 
with all the Korean natural farming, since it's all probiotic, you're building your plant's immune systems from the inside. So you're feeding OHN2. So your plant's naturally starting to build off, build its immune systems from the inside. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Now, this is pretty much covering everything. What about the pathogens? Is this IPM, uh, the stuff that you're making, is it helping to beat back the PM and the, you know, rust and fusarium and all that shit that might be there? Well, yes, but at the same time, again, you need to know what pest you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. For russets, lacto's not going to do shit. Neither is OHN. It's got sulfur in it, but not the right amount. Sure. So russets. They're super, super small, and they breed very, very fast. They breed, like, every two every two days, they lay, like, fucking 100 eggs or some shit. Mm. Like, very fast. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you have to – you can't really put much on them to make their life cycles, like, so they live to be old age, and then they don't hatch. Because most of those are systemic. You don't really want those. Sulfur, in a sense – essential oils really don't even do anything. Um, it's, like, enzymes and, and sulfur – are the only two things that really work on russets because they're contact killers. You have to actually physically touch them. And it, once you touch them, they die. But you, if you start seeing them on the bottom of the plant, you got to get rid of the damage. You got to get sit there and like take it all off or it's just, it's not going to get better. It's not going to heal. And if you have a mom that has it, you need to cut the damage off as far back as you can too. If it hits the top branch, it's dead. It's dead. Like yeah. That plant is, well, it's gonna if it if it survives, it like literally gets and does like damage, like internal damage to it. Like it starts eating the soft tissue of the tip, and mm. then the plant starts growing weird. It's like it has a fungus on the inside of it now, and it'll start. All the leaves will start looking really odd. Yeah, if, if they even grow, which right. is most times they don't even grow for like a month. Sure, sure. Yeah, I've had them one time, and that was back in what sixteen, two thousand fifteen or sixteen. Yeah, we had some bad rust. Like four years, five. They're yeah, insidious I, little I fuckers. In 2000 and, I had them in 2012 and had to figure out how to get the fuck rid of them. I almost lost the mom room. That, that sucked. I only ended up losing like two plants, but they were just duplicates. And you're talking about using enzymes? Where, where do the enzymes come from? And would in, in Well, you can, use, you can use like Dr. Enzyme. Or, oh, yeah. Okay. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or Nucum or yeah. Flying Skull or any of those. Those are all organic. Yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy. I hate that shit. Um, I hate aphids just as bad though. <laughs> Those are so oh, yeah. bad. Aphids are a pain in the ass for sure because <clears> they <throat> just don't want to let the fuck go. You let one of them go, and they breed and breed and breed. They're born pregnant. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. doubt that shit. They're they are. They're they're literally they're literally born pregnant. Yeah. They're ready to give birth the second you give birth. They give birth. It fuck. seems like it seems like I've known some women like that too. <laughs> Seriously, like, how are you always pregnant? Exactly. How many kids do you got? I've got 12 kids. I've been pregnant for the better part of a decade. Oh, my God. Oh, so now how far would you go in? You said, obviously, most of us that have grown know that you don't go into flour with your IPM, at least not too far. What would you do with the KNF stuff? How far would you go? Two, three weeks or just stop when it starts uh, showing THC? Yeah, pretty much. If you if you need to, like you can do other things, but in general, you really try not to. I, I just that's just a good grower thing, in my opinion, too. Like if you spray too late, you're gonna taste it, no matter yeah. what it is. Yeah. Even the guys that dunk their buds for powdery mildew, like even when the hydrogen peroxide or green clean, you taste it. Yeah, I've always wondered why people did that and say it doesn't affect it. I, you know, if, if anything, well, if, if, no, it affects it. It just doesn't affect the testing. 
Right, right, right. Uh, my feeling is this, <laughs> go, though. This is unknown substance. <laughs> well, and my feeling is this, is if you're actually going to dry and cure the weed, I know people do fresh frozen now, but if you dry and cure it, it seems like to me that there's some biology going on in there on the cure. And if you're dunking it in, you know, hydrogen peroxide or whatever, it's killing that natural biome that's on there. That I don't want to smoke that shit. That gets to the cure, yeah. Well, the, the plant feels and it feels different and it smokes different. The glands are like dry. I bet. Um, Greengrass Consultant says, what's thoughts on, re- on replacing Angelica and licorice with mint and rosemary in the OHN? Yep. Um, so just in my opinion, I like to feed OHN, like if plant actually uptakes it. Um, if you're using Angelica and OHN, everything will taste like it. All of your strains will taste like licorice and Angelica. Like you'll definitely taste it. <laughs> Um, I've tried to find things that aren't so dominant. Um, when you're making your OHN, in my opinion, you should be able to taste, like when you taste it, you should be able to taste every single ingredient you put in it. You go, Oh, there's basil, rosemary, cinnamon, garlic. You shouldn't be like, Holy fuck. That's all cinnamon. Right. But Angelica and licorice are so that's all you taste. Yeah. Or smell. You smell and taste. Yeah. I've wondered about that. That makes all the weed taste like licorice and I don't like it. Well, rosemary's pretty fragrant. Um, I do rosemary and basil. Basil's for white flies. Rosemary's for spider mites. That's just an extra trick I used as a cannabis grower. I see. Um, but it's not; those aren't super duper loud, so they don't affect the flavor. Yeah. But again, like okay. when I made my OHN, it was a fucking forty part. It had like dillweed, habaneros, catnip. Like it had all kinds of just all kinds of different things in it. But uh, I also like to feed that until like pretty well i'm harvesting i used a rosemary mix that was mixed up by a friend so i could not tell you the ratios or everything else that was in it but all i could smell was rosemary when we'd spray it and it worked damn well i thought it smelled real good actually just be careful with uh, rosemary extracts uh, that's the main ingredient in avid oh my god that's, that's, that's microbutanol oh shit you gotta be careful I don't know Be if it had that much it. rosemary. Though. I don't know. It just smelled like it, but yeah, I, I didn't know, know that. If, I yeah, don't know use, if it had that much. But yeah, they use rose. It's, but it smells but yeah, it's rosemary extract. So be careful with it, because again, microbutanol will make your shit fail. Okay, I got no. I gotcha. Oh, it's the same. It's the same thing with uh, 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 mammoth pea with um, them using uh, alfalfa for their uh, mammoth pea and it's leaving some residue, not residue, but it's leaving some real small trace amounts of tricantinol. Well, the funniest thing is, is when you use alfalfa fresh, it actually has super duper high protozoa. So it kills bad nematodes, Mm -hmm. but they're using it for phosphorus fixing bacteria. Um, You can get phosphorus fixing bacteria from like a pond. Any kind of fish shit water is phosphorus phosphorus fixing bacteria. (laughs) So could I have a pond in my little uh, environment in my, quarter acre here and pull from that koi pond aquaponics bro uh, i'm telling you right now <laughs> they, do. they just they they literally will bring in like just different kinds of fish they transfer one 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 will sit there and they just feed the fish and then they transfer tanks when it's time for flour one's high in nitrogen one's high in phosphorus crazy Easy. yeah that that would be a koi cool pond thing. aquaponics have you have you dabbled in that at all i'm gonna get some betas a little bit. I have a buddy that's got a koi pond that we always used his water and it fucking worked great. But actually, last year, our, our big crop, the 720 plant or pot, won the, our main field, was all fed by pond water. Mm-hmm. 
That's crazy. And that's good too. I mean, depending on what's in there, right? Cause it, there's some water that can be. Oh, like, it's all, it's all filled from a natural spring. Oh, I see. I got you. Spring was, gotcha. was feeding the other crops. I see. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, it's, you know, and I was going to mention this to you just, just because we're using it this year, this year, I, uh, dedicated myself to using, um, mammoth biocontrol, which is only, it's basically a, a time concentrate. And so it, do you guys use time at all in your, I guess, OHNs with that? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, okay. You mean actually like the, the, uh, the, <laughs> the, uh, herb time. Yeah. The herb. I'm like, why use I'm, yeah, like you know, <laughs> we're being philosophical oh, you totally here. Can. You okay, because totally I've been had really success. Now here's the deal: in my little plot of land here, I I've got somewhere I've got basically uh, thrips, and I I can pretty much guarantee every year, no matter what I do outdoors, I'm going to have to deal with thrips. So I always get ahead of them. I always you know start my IPM from day basically day one. Uh, this year using that. Uh, biocontrol the time uh concentrate time it's worked really well uh i've only scoped right. one or two thrips out there and uh it's working yeah fun. and we also took in a skittles clone that had a couple spots of spider mites which is exactly why i don't like taking in clones but i quarantined it and treated it with that and it worked real well as well so just right. just wondering or throwing that out there that maybe time is a bit Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, you can, it, again, any any kind of herb or anything that has any kind of medicinal value or any kind of antifungal, anti-inflammatory, any of that shit goes all on your OHN. Well, what's really interesting That's is, why. yeah, and what, well, just let me throw this out there. What's interesting is they repackage now, and now they put out a product called Can Control, which replaced the Bio Control, and it's essentially the same thing, but they've relabeled it now that it controls. Uh, pathogens too. So I'm wondering if they just didn't realize before that it actually helped with pathogens and had to re <laughs> rebrand. But uh, uh, I bet you that they they started having growers being like, "Hey man, this is working great for powdery mildew too." Right. So they were like, "Oh yeah, well, well, it's an essential oil." So exactly. You, you know. Yeah. So anyway, you could, probably, you could more than likely just go out and buy a pack of essential oils and just mix you know, it up. Yeah. Make your own. Yeah. Absolutely. I think the biggest difference is just as concentrated more so than you would buy on the shelf. But um, so so we got our IPM down. You said let's get back to uh, you. Um, I, I, you know, we've gotten to get to know you a little bit, but you're just a smart guy. How did you ever get into cannabis way back in the day? Is it something you started out as a teenager? Whatever led you to cannabis? Um, well, again, I was a four sport athlete, raced my dirt bike all summer. And then you got um, the. I had a buddy that, that smoked and uh, started smoking and then just realized that during basketball season, guess what? Didn't get sick. I was like, ooh, right. this is a game changer. Because again, like that was the time of year when I was like, man, they were doing all these fun tournaments and getting to play three and four games a day. And so I did, I did not want to miss that. But I was like, dude, this is actually working really well. So it really wasn't, then, it wasn't the high at all. It was really nah, a health. It was, it was the health. Nice. Yeah, it was the hell thing. And then I uh, started smoking for a little while. And then that other buddy fucked me up permanently with the heart problem. Right. And then I started finding out that the um, synthetics, like friends and friends and my own, were just making me sick. And then I started smoking my own organic herb, and it made a humongous difference. Okay. And then I started finding strains that actually started helping with... It's like, I pretty much have like fucking like mini little heart attacks. It's like super fucking, super serious. But it's literally like if you're 
dryer is out of sync and it's sitting there going, duh, 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 duh. I take a hit of an indica or something with super good high, like medium CBD in it, and my heart just goes right back in its sink. Oh, wow. And, but unfortunately, with a heart problem, it is related to your stomach. So it'll just make me sick, like physically, like throwing up sick. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, you'll just be standing there and you just turn white. Ugh. And again, like, they told me if I didn't take this pill all day, every day, three times a day for the rest of my life, I was going to have a heart attack. And that I stopped taking that right around 10 years ago. Well, right around eight years ago now when I started doing my own organics and found strains that actually help with heart arrhythmia and blood pressure and sleep and everything else. So sure. I've just literally replaced because they were giving me, here's a pill for heart arrhythmia. Okay. That's making me sick. Okay. Well, here's for, stomach pain okay well here's for nausea okay here's for chest pain here's for back pain here's for headaches here's for nausea again started looking up when they're giving me guess what first one was rat poison no shit it was making me sick <laughs> well and then they got to give so you a like, pill for all that. your side effects <laughs> yeah fuck that so i started growing my own organic cannabis and found out i i pretty well feel like i have a fucking cannabinoid deficiency like my body can't get enough of my actual natural cannab- cannabinoid cannabinoids so cannabis actually helps stimulate that dude two, if i stop smoking for two days i literally start having heart problems it's fucking really fucking shitty but yeah it's something that's pretty common because cannabinoids are being taken out of foods and that's the thing is we we lack natural cannabinoids yeah and then you yeah, know and and then you add in cannabis where it's just chock full of it and it's no wonder it helps with a plethora of things oh yeah well, it's just, there was just too many medical benefits behind it that were just actually physically helping, helping me medically that I was just like, dude, this is obviously like, you know, medicine and I need it. And if I, what, before I started growing, I went to every single club I could fucking go to. I went to easily over a hundred clubs all up and down California and just looked for anybody that knew any fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> found one person that did and had him teach me how to grow, but it was synthetic. And then I learned organics all myself. And that's awesome. Dude, it's, I haven't looked back, period. Yeah. And I think that's for most growers or people that are going to grow their own medicine. I think that's a natural progression. If you're really in it for the love and the medicine part, it just seems like the natural progression. You know, you start out, get some grow experience with some salts and then start moving into healthy organics and then start learning what's right. Well, I've, just seen, I've just seen so many people like being at dispensaries and just physically needing like dude, there used to be a guy that had a he got part of his spine or spleen blown out in a war and had a morphine pump installed on his back and he would have to take like six strength morphine every day and he was bedridden mm-hmm. he'd literally get up one day out of the week just to walk to the dispensary and he would be like i had to come down here to get something because i'm in so much pain i can't even move but this is the only thing i can do to actually that helps me walk yeah, mm-hmm. that shit's not fake. Like, <laughs> you know, but I was just like, dude, I'm. I started getting to the point where I was like, dude, I know I grow good fucking medicine. Like, that's what it comes to. I grow very high quality, very very good medicine. And I'm like, if I can't get it to people, best thing I can do is teach them how to do it themselves. Sure, but you're pulling the same volume, right? Like, you're claiming that you're pulling the same volume as if you're pushing with either other organics or or even bottled salts. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, not a problem at all. It all depends. Dude, it's all about just knowledge and filling out your canopy. Yeah. 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 There's a lot, there's a lot to it. Not just the nudes for sure. Um, I mean, I mean last nine, nine, there's a nine light room with eight lights that we did 600 on. We did like, it was all KNF, all beds, all SFVOG. And it was like 19 and a half pounds. Yeah. 
And how many plants? Um, uh, it was like 16 a bed. Okay. Okay. Yeah, just curious. So they were four by four, by four beds. So okay. each each four by four was under one light. I but see. But we turned off the middle light in the room. So it was literally like 4,800 watts with 19 and a half pounds. And that oh. was just one, like one run. Here's all the plants. Give it a try. See what you can do. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Not even a heavy yielding strain. And that was all KNF, as you're saying. That was all KNF. Yeah. Yeah, every every single grow I've done, it's been KNF because have, have I've you, always been the more experienced. Well, I've, I've always been the more experienced grower when it comes to it. Have Have you had any? I mean, have you switched like large farms over to KNF? Like, have you been able to actually say, "Look, you can do this, do it better, taste better, be better, be cheaper, and be able to switch farms over"? Yeah, I've, dude, I was consulting every. I was consulting for three farms a week, two day classes for like eight months. Mm-hmm. all over California, Oregon, Nevada. Wow. Yeah, that's cool, man. I, I, I'd like to see that. I, w- I would like to see a lot more people, especially in Oregon on the rec market. I'd like to see a lot more KNF on the shelf. And I don't know why people well, aren't I've doing just, it. I've, I've literally laboratory proven a test tire. There's no reason why everybody should not be doing it. And you're talking like, THC percentage? We have, we, yeah, we had a strain that was consistently ran by one guy that was consistently testing for five years, 22%. Mm-hmm. I ran it indoors one time, 32%. That's a fucking giant difference. Oh same my company, God. Yeah. Same strain. Same difference. Yeah. Same strain. Like wow. we've got, I've got two second places are uh, a cannabis cup second place, a high time second place, and a third place in a humble, humble cup. Or what was the other one? Uh, HempCon. Mm-hmm. And you'd like, and you'd attribute that to you know your your personal skill and then the KNF. Uh, definitely. Yeah, that's that's cool, man. What are the politics like down there in your area, like in Northern Cal? I guess Redding's pretty much Northern Cal, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they don't like it here. <laughs> they oh, so you got you got resistance in your area. Well, they've we used to have like forty four dispensaries. And everybody was growing 99 plants in their backyard and they did not fucking fault. They did not like that at all. So they were like, no doing anything at all. So they cut that shit. Yeah. It's a, it's a, like a municipality thing, huh? Like a city thing. Yeah. I think there's like literally only like three big grocer and they're all indoor. That's crazy. Our area is like the old days there, I guess, because we got probably 40 dispensaries and, yeah, I, and, and every you know, block is a dispensary. Well, on every block is I mean, once you once literally once you leave the city limits itself, there is a a field of cannabis or hemp every I mean, everywhere. It's just it, everywhere. This year has changed a lot more than last year. You mean as far as reducing oh, as far as reducing? Yeah, yeah there is. Um, we did all them damn hemp growers out. I, I think we weeded out the weeded out the weak ones. Yeah. Well, the guys that thought they could do it. So mm-hmm. do you guys have hemp down there that you guys do? Not you personally, but do you uh, have hemp growers? Not around here, no. Okay. They don't like that shit. I kinda I I kinda just keep my head down and do what I do. <laughs> no, I, I get it, man. I get it. Uh you know, Dude, just well unfortunately with all this fucking coronavirus shit and me having a really serious heart problem, I'm like, Oh, I'm sticking in my cave. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's the thing, you know, if you already got, you know, some uh, issues already than you want to and uh, you know who cares fuck dude growing staying mm-hmm. isolated from these douchebags i mean it's better uh don't want to get yeah, screened just, <laughs> just trying to round up my shit and get ready to move and then start doing some shit for real i need to 
move and then move one more time to buy a place and then it's game on. Are you staying in Cali? Like, yeah, I'm just going to go Sacramento area. I see. But I'm going to try to get my own little spot, do like half acre, two grow tech, light depths, like 100 footers, and then like 9K indoor, but do it all myself. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That, I don't have anybody work for me. I all just, by... Sounds like tired, Jay. Tired, tired, of, tired of working with people. I get that, but damn, man, it's... Uh, well, you know the work that goes behind plants. I That's a lot of work, man. Oh, yeah. No, I can set that all up. That's not a big deal. That's good. Well, it sounds like you have a lot of experience doing it. Uh, do, do you... Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, dude. I've, are are you all for technology when it comes to growing? Like, do you, are you on the technology side or do you like to... Are you more of the, you know... Uh, Either way. It all depends on what your budget is. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't matter, like... You know, it all depends on what size I'm doing. If I'm doing a big operation, it's got to be automated. And then you can cut down your staffing. Mm -hmm. But at exactly. the same time, you want to make sure you have enough staff to cover things. But I like having push teams more than having an actual staff. Yeah, that's cool. Sounds like you need to run a place down there. Oh, I've already ran <laughs> a lot of places. I'm tired of running yeah, places. I, I get need you. to just do my own shit. Yeah, I get you. Like I keep, I keep doing all these grows and not getting paid. Like I'm, I'm out. Oh, 170 grand for my last grow and 150 from the one before that. Yeah, I hear that a lot um, <sighs> with these situations, oh, and which is unfortunate. I hear yeah, it quite I'm, a bit. I'm straight down to it. People, people suck. I got paid for my time. What's again, good? I got paid for my time. It wasn't fucking nothing. Yeah, 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 yeah. You were, you were there. Well, this is cool, man. I really appreciate this. Uh, I really appreciate the information. Um, we got a lot of people. Yeah, nope. A lot of people no are problem. really interested in this kind of stuff. I'm probably I'm really, really debating on if I want to start consulting again. Like I was doing consulting for a while, but then I just kind of stopped and was just kind of not into it anymore. Well, I mean, but should we they not? Just take, they just take it. Well, they just take a toll on you. You know, <laughs> like again, like I'm going one one time. I was going from straight up L.A. So I had to drive like 12 hours and then do the class that day. So that was another eight hours. And then I had to wake up that next day, teach another 10 hour class and then drive all the way to Dallas, Oregon Jeez. and do another class. Yeah. You're like, yeah, it's not worth that kind of money. Well, well, and I had to stop home to feed the garden in between classes. So they all have to go to home base every time. <sighs> so now what you got to do is set up your, you know, COVID-19, uh, what do you call it? Uh, remote consulting service make them get on ig live with their phone <laughs> right seriously i'm gonna i'm gonna have a netflix special it's cool <laughs> there you go do a documentary or something <laughs> well if people want or have questions or would like to get a hold of you is that possible could we send them over to your oh of course i'm open for any kind of questions anybody has or if anybody needs help or walk through with anything more than welcome to message me. There's a ton. There's like a lot of information on my page. But again, like if anybody needs help, I'm here. It doesn't matter. Might not get to it right away, but I always end up getting to them. Uh, it, that's really cool because you know when you get up into any anybody past 10k starts to get kind of distant, which is understandable um, when you have that many people um, mm -hmm. you know interested in, in what you're doing. So uh, well, that's shit, really before that, I had that little. Before I had that little link for you clicking my, if you click my bio, it'll give you my 14 page packet of how to make everything from scratch, what it does, feeding yep. charts, everything. Yep. But 
if you, before I had that, <laughs> I was like, Hey, anybody need this? Go ahead message me. So I was literally, I got like 700 or 800 messages. You're like, screw this. Me to email it to them. <laughs> I was like, I'm doing as many as I can. There's just so many. Yeah. Copy, paste, copy, paste. <laughs> Seriously, Jesus. Well, that's really cool that you did that for everybody. I know I'm referring to it and I've already had several people DM me about where to get this information. I'm like, it's right there. It's right there. (laughs) So, but that's it. The world's last hope. That's the underscore world's underscore last underscore hope. Uh, And you can message them there. And I guess also that link, like you said, goes to your big patch, the 13 page packet. Yeah. 14. 14. All right. Is there anything else you think we should cover before we let you go? Uh, anything anything you want, man. Don't matter to me. <laughs> I'm just here to answer some questions. No, I appreciate it. We've got a lot covered. What do you, mm-hmm. Is there anything you think? All right. Well, I guess that's it. I really appreciate your time. And I, I would imagine in the future, if we could, you know, you know, follow up with you and check yeah. in or if we get what happens is I'll put out an episode like this and then I'll get a bunch of questions from people. And it's <laughs> yep. almost like, you know, we should have another episode down the road in a few months or something. And right. Follow up with everybody. Or don't so, matter to me, man. That's awesome. We really appreciate you, brother. Really, really do. I am sorry to hear about how you got into cannabis, but I'm really glad to hear it helped you. Uh, it oh, suck, yeah. it yeah, sucks definitely. to have to. Yeah. Well, suck. <laughs> There's always a reason for something, right? Yeah. yeah. And sometimes it has to be, you know, something bad to be something As a bud good. tender, it's really cool hearing the side of people's stories that help them get into cannabis because it does help teaching people about it as well. Well, the nice part about this style that I really like is it really opens your eyes to everything because you go, oh, well, this is good for me. Well, how can it not be good for my plants? Yeah. Okay, if you walk into the hydro store, what's that bottle do? What's it made from? What does it do? Can you drink it? Right. <laughs> what happens if it, if you do? Uh, <laughs> most yeah. of the time it says not for human consumption on the bottle. Well, it's, it's, a lot of the bottles yeah. will say that it's against the law. Yeah. <laughs> to cons- yeah. <laughs> a lot of them say don't touch or you need to contact uh, poison control services. Yeah. Or the regular California, you know, warning that says everything gives you cancer. That's it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm having I'm, I'm over here I'm over here having pancakes with my flower food. So <laughs> that's awesome. Well, and you know that's the thing; it really fits into the whole permaculture kind of style, where you know you're pulling stuff from potentially your own area, your own little resources, of, and your little own area, and really kind of just making the full circle in in mm-hmm. your little spot. So. Really cool. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I would like to get way. into it. I'm probably going to, you know, maybe next year. Uh, again, it's just an evolve thing. And um, I think I've got skills enough to where I could maybe step into it now. But um, really cool stuff. And I really appreciate it, man. I really do. Oh, man. Well, if you definitely, if you can, try to make some flower food and the water soluble calcium and CalMag. And that's a great start because those are super easy, super duper fun. And it's pretty well free. <laughs> and they well, work. Well, even. The flower food, the fermented fruit extract, is a zero fifty thirty. Okay, so so, so it's super high in phosphorus and potassium. Okay, that's cool. That's that's so cool. It's a great. You start feeding that from day one, dude. Everything comes in solid as a rock from day one. Really? All right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. May I have to start this year. <laughs> well, dude, and fermented bubble hash water. You literally taking your hash your bubble hash water. And adding a little bit of sugar to it, letting it sit, it makes its own scoby. You start feeding that one to five mils per, you know, for your plants. That's taking cannabis 
overdone flowers, feeding that to plants that are trying to ripen, also giving them terpenes and THC feeding THC. That's cool. Hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so in OH, mixing your OHN, your uh, fermented fruit extract, and your water-soluble CalMag, you're sweetening, you're adding your terpenes, you're getting your myrcene levels higher, and you're adding both bolters. And if you need a bud hardener, you can do a kelp extract, and that'll tighten everything up immediately. And, and or how, a dandelion, either way. The dandelion will do it, too. Wow. Yep. And and where do you really you have to literally get kelp? Is that what you're doing when you ferment? I mean, you get kelp and ferment it. Is that what you're? Yeah, you just take take kelp meal and just add a little bit of sugar, add a little bit of water, rehydrate oh. it, and just extract it. Gotcha. Okay. Or you can even just, or you can even or you can even just make a kelp tea. Yeah. Okay. I gotcha. But that's got that's got natural. It's a natural bud hardening PGR, which alfalfa is also a natural organic PGR. Um, now, at any point, too, you're not using any kind of like molasses, right? Because you're just full of sugar anyway, correct? Um, I actually prefer Demera raw cane sugar. So Demera used to be Gynia, which is now called Demera, but it's turbinado sugar, which is literally they take cane sugar, juice it into a con- pretty much a concrete mixer with a flame underneath of it, and dry out the sugar. And then they scrape it and put it into a bag. If you do brown sugar, they take the sugar and do the same thing, but they add they strip the molasses from it and then they bleach the sugar and then add molasses back into it. So you want, that's why you want pure cane sugar if you can. But uh, most cash and carries or uh, I believe Costco even has organic cane sugar for like pretty cheap. But if you go to like a cash and carry or uh, I believe it's a smart final now, you can get 50 pound bags for like 24 bucks of, the best that's the sugar that they use that most candy makers use it's super duper sweet that doesn't even sound like it's that expensive at all Mm-mm. it's not again for 50 pounds yeah so whenever i do my consultations we grab i think it's two bags of sugar 40 pounds of bananas 20 pounds of fruit um oyster shell powder epsom salts one case of um brown rice vinegar like everything together is less than like 200 bucks like it's have a pretty, pretty freaking cheap and it makes gallons of shit. That is crazy. That is awesome though. That's, that's awesome. That's so cool. Oh, well, like one case of uh, the vinegar, you make water soluble calcium, water soluble cal mag, water soluble calcium phosphate, and then you got straight brown rice vinegar. So you got your in amino acids, calcium, magnesium, and phosphorus. Wow. Right there. Right there. For yeah. nothing. You take fish bone, fish bone meal, Five to one, um, oyster shell. Five to one, magnesium. Two hundred and fifty milliliters per gallon. Boom, easy peasy. Wow, I'm gonna have to do that. Really, that's really easy. easy. Yeah, like it's really, really easy. It's probably so easy that people just make it too much, make it worse than it is, well, or make it tougher than it is. Well, again, a lot of people want me to come to them and physically show them because they think it's it's. They're doing it wrong. If this is too fucking easy, right? Doing it too wrong. This is easy. Okay, literally, take a mango, <laughs> cut the mango up on sugar, <laughs> put that in a jar. In a week, try not the, to eat use it. Use the syrup from that. Use the use the syrup from that. Boom! You've got a mercine booster. Wow, that's so cool. That's so like, cool. Seriously, that seriously that easy. You do the same thing that with crazy. for veg food. You go out and get grass. Get grass from your yard. Grass mm-hmm. is super high in enzymes and amino acids, and it's also super high in nitrogen. So you literally take grass, add it with sugar, put it in a jar. Yeah. Boom. Done. Like it's that easy. Hmm. That's great. 
We have grass. <laughs> Got lots of grass. Got lots of dandelions. Got lots of dandelions, lots of grass. Oh my gosh. I mean, those are that's grow food and kelp right there. That's pretty much all kelp and kelp right there. But in a concentrated form. Kelp. So if you make if you make half a cup, that's like what, like eighty milliliters or something like that? Okay. That's eighty gallons of plant food you got right there. <laughs> wow. More than I would need. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Exactly. And again, you you're consistently pulling leaves off your cannabis plants. Ferment those. You consistently will always have cannabis food. You know, this you're making it to where my wife's gonna never let me buy any nutrients again. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm just joking. Really nice There's no need. I know. Well, even even aloe. You take straight up aloe. You ferment aloe. Now you've got a surfactant. Oh, okay. I see. And and so, what do you? But, how, what are the parts on that? Like, uh, what do you mean? Well, I mean, like, how much aloe per whatever per, for water? So every, everything you're doing with anything with the sugar is uh-huh. 50 50. Okay. Okay. So pretty much, pretty much the weight of it, just add the add add the weight of that in sugar. Gotcha. Easy. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. And you you can totally eyeball it. it. Doesn't need to be weighed. And more sugar is always better than not enough. But okay. If you add too much sugar on products that are, don't have a lot of moisture content, they might not extract. So just keep an eye out for that. But most of the things that you have that are gr- like grasses or plants, you want to rip them up or chop them up on top of the sugar because when you cut them, they actually put off moisture to the tips to actually help uh, heal themselves. It's actually a stress, stress, self-defense mechanism of the plant trying to heal itself, and you're trying to capture those hormones in the sugar. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, you just chop it on top of the sugar and then mix it really, really well. So every single part of everything you're doing is completely covered in sugar. Because you're trying to get the sugar on the, the surface of everything you're doing to get the bacteria rubbed into it. So any dry spots are going to start making mycelium, which is just a beneficial bacteria that's actually a growth, growth stage in mushroom growth. But it's just showing you everything's alive pretty much. But once mycelium starts spreading in any of your ferments, not a bad thing but it's going to start trying to suck the moisture out of your ferment i see interesting okay and the only bad bacteria is black and the only bad smells are sulfur and sewage Ooh. everything else is fine because they and again open ferments you want to let you want to let them breathe do not feel them or you will have the whole fucking house stinking. yeah and that's basically the black and, mold right like just black mold. Uh, no, no that's no, that's just the back, that's just an air anaerobic uh, fermentation. That's just ferment, fermenting with no air. I see. Um, but do not, if you're going to do any ferments in mason jars, make sure your lids are loose. If they seal, as your microbes eat, they off-gas CO2. So they're going to build up pressure in your jar, and it will make mason jars explode. Oh, shit. So you want to burp them? Uh, if you just leave the lid on it loose, it'll oh. burp itself. Yeah, I got you. Same thing with five gallon buckets. I normally just try to leave like a little corner, like popped open. That mm-hmm. way it'll build up pressure and then push it out the side. Gotcha. Yeah. Makes sense. How long can you let these things sit? I mean, it sounds like you're already fermenting and it takes a week or two or 21 days or 12 days or whatever. So if you have to store them for only, a while, can you? No, they take five to seven, five to seven days to like be ready to be used, but okay. you can let them sit way longer if you want. They're just going to keep extracting and keep concentrating themselves. Um, once they're strained off, they're good until they're fucking like they're good pretty much forever. If you don't 
like your OHN and your I, uh, uh, IMO and your BIM, you're, you're consistently adding to. So if you keep adding to them, they won't go. They they should never go bad. Again, if it's only the ferments that you've let sit by themselves for a really long time that you crack open, more than likely they're just going to be vinegar. But they're you again if they smell like sulfur or sewage, they're dead. Yeah. Okay. I imagine then, since they don't really have a shelf life, you could, if you had the stuff, you could just make your whole stash for the season and just store it properly and just pull from it, right? You could just make your whole... Exactly. That's actually the nice part about when I come and do the consultations is I make, I'm pretty much make you nutrients for the whole year. Right. So, like, you sit there and go, oh, wow, we're going to need more of this, this, and this. But you know how to make it, where you bought it from, how to make it, the ratios, and you have paperwork. Mm -hmm. So I'm literally trying to talk the entire time so you know what's going on. And I'm trying to tell you how the plant uptakes it and how to use it and the ratios to use it and how to make it from. Also giving you the packet in front of you so you can follow along as we're doing it. And it also has breakdowns on how to make everything and what it does to the plants and how to use it. But I'm also having you do it with me. So you're actually being able to see it, touch it, hear it, and like I'm touching all your senses. Mm -hmm. So I pretty much go to the person that knows the absolute least in the room and go, Oh, do you grow at all? No. Okay. Well, you're going to fucking know this shit before I leave. Yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) and it sounds like they do. I, you know, you putting all that work together. That's pretty cool, man. I'm sure it took some time. Um, yeah, it did. But again, it's just all me sitting in here and trial and error. And so like, you know, you figure things out and you don't, but, um, everything I have was pretty much like, Oh, okay, well I need some kind of paperwork to go off of. I need to type this up real fast. So it definitely needs to be re- revisited and typed out into a longer version, but I just don't have the gusto to do it lately. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a fucking book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I appreciate this, man. I really do. I know you got a family and I just appreciate the time you've taken to uh, share this with our listeners. And I know they do too. Yeah, no problem. Again, if anybody has any questions or comments, just let me know. Yeah, find them on IG, and uh, I guess that would be the place to go, right? That's pretty much the place. Yeah, that's pretty much the easiest thing that I do on Instagram. Yeah, follow them on uh, IG, uh, because the whole page is full of good shit. And, um, I mean, (laughs) all the way to the bottom, all 5,000 posts. (laughs) So check them out on there. What's really funny is the first first picture on my page is triangle. (laughs) Nice, nice that far back that's cool man all right you have a good evening and i'll be in touch and i really appreciate it man i'm higher peaks and you've just listened to the dirt show if you like this episode please like share comment and go to organrooted.com where you can subscribe to us on your favorite platform like itunes pandora or spotify also check us out on our youtube for videos and ig facebook and twitter for all our updates thank you for listening